0: The UPRN family of shows would like to take a moment to thank our loyal listeners for tuning in to uprntalkradio.com along with 107.7 FM New Orleans. Broadcasting on multiple platforms like Live 365, Ustream, and Shoutcast has made the UPRN the longest-running, highly-rated, and best source of quality, unique programming that is not afraid of the status quo in alternative media. This station has a solid course of shows and hosts that refuse to get stuck in a rut or be overrun by a groupthink mentality because station owner, host, and iCar founder Joe Montaldo knows the value of letting his talented stable of hosts grow uninhibited. In this genre, that's an accomplishment which many in alternative radio are striving for but are left consistently wanting. This is all made possible because of you, the listener, that tunes in live every night, who can tell the difference that independent thinking makes. The best way to show our appreciation is to thank you and continue to allow our listeners the ability to download the archives of all the shows free of charge on iTunes, Podbean, and SoundCloud. No monthly fees, no cost to download individual shows, and none of the constant hassling for donations. That's the UPRNradio.com difference. So stick around. There's much more to come with new shows on the way. For now, feel free to join your favorite show live in the PalTalk chat room. Easily accessible off UPRNTalkradio.com. And share the experience of listening live with other listeners from around the world. So thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the UPRNTalkradio.com family of listeners. You want to learn about aliens, extraterrestrials, UFOs,
1: visitations, military abductions? Join Joe Mataldo on Wednesday night, eight to ten p.m. for his episodes of UFO Undercover. I had had enough.
0: Well, you drove out there into the middle of nowhere and had some sort of loud verbal display, challenging ET in general, out oh, in the yeah, middle that's of nowhere. what I
1: was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. Um, I was really ticked off when I was having this fit. I, had, I was waving the gun in the air, okay, and I had to sit. And at this moment, I said,
2: okay. He was a Louisiana man named Mansaldo. Folks around called him Six-Gun Joe, worked with ICAR, don't you know, investigating UFOs. Out for a drive with a gal one night, they stopped to check out the reporting site, when an alien lit right there on the ground, he commenced to in his weight around. Now, old Six-Gun didn't take you kindly to that kind of thing. Especially without Vaseline or anything like that, you know, seriously. Well, Six-Gun looked that critter right in the eye and said, any last wish before you die? You'll reach for his gun, quick as a twitch, and said, fill your claw, you son of a bitch. Now, a legend spread across the land about this pistol-waving man. But if you're from space or from Earth below, you don't give no lip to Six Gun (laughs) Joe. Welcome to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of UFO Undercover. Like Natasha just said, I am your host, Joe Montaldo. hope you're having a great day wherever you are on our big, beautiful blue planet. Whether you're in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, the early morning, hey, I hope you're all listening to the show. You know, I know we have listeners around the world and over 160 countries and Oh, time, we cross every time zone there is. Uh, you know, I love talking to us I know there's people in the wee hours listening to us. I know there's people having lunch listening to us. I know there's people having dinner listening to us. And know there's people just hanging out in the afternoon listening to us or riding in the car listening to us. You know, it's, it's just nice to know we have such a long reach these days and uh, we really have a good audience. Uh, they're a very interactive audience. They they participate. You know, I got a letter from someone in Ukraine. Very nice letter, by the way, to the person who wrote from Ukraine just recently. Uh, I wanted to let you know I did get the letter, and I will answer when I get five minutes. I'm, I'm just behind because of the ancient alien stuff. But, um, you know, we get a lot of nice letters that come in. A lady from um, Canada wrote to me. They're really sweet. I mean... I mean, every now and then we get the occasional gripe, or complaint, or a bitch about one of our hosts, but uh, i seen a note yesterday, Michael Angley was on Discovery Paranormal last night. One of the notes i seen today was very nice when it's posted to SoundCloud. I mean, you know, we get a lot of nice feedback on the hosts, and it's, it's just a nice thing to see. Um, you know, a lot going on in the network, a lot of things going on. We do have a couple of new hosts coming soon, but uh, I'll announce them actually about a week, maybe two before they actually come on, but... Um, you need to check them out. They're going to be good hosts. Um, one of them is to replace a friend of mine who is retired, at least from radio, for the time being. And um, One is just a new host I'm bringing to the network to do some politics. Um, I'm going to keep one of the Flipside Light shows for me because I'm co-hosting with Lily right now. And Ben's going to be taking over for, for me on Fridays pretty soon. But I'm going to probably give Thursday, I don't know, either Tuesday or Thursday, to someone else. and um, And just because, you know, I'm already all doing radio several days. And uh, I enjoy hosting with Lily. She's a lot of fun. Uh, she's kind of insane, but <laughs> we're definitely different in our views, which is nice. It, it, it's something nice. Uh, and, ben and Ben and Jim Allen should do a pretty good job. Elaine's done a pretty good job. She's off tonight, but... So it's just one person for Thursday, and then um, I, I'm... <sighs> Make this quick. I got a couple of people in mind for Saturday. I'm just not sure who yet. So, uh, one little thing at a time. Um, but I've been enjoying all the radio lately, and, I, and way more radio than I usually do. But still, it's been a lot of fun. A lot of stuff going. on. And right now, there's so much stuff in the news, good, bad, or indifferent, that it's insane. I mean, really, it, it's literally insane. But tonight on UF on the Cover with myself, Joe Mantalda, uh Reptilians. Who are they? What do they want, and do humans taste good? That is the topic for the night show. Uh, so we're going to be cruising through this pretty soon. Also, too, you know, I get a lot of stuff sent to me, uh, space science, and a friend of ours, a regular listener, Callie, does a lot of um, uh, designing of the different types of aliens we talk about on the show. So if you want to pop over to my Facebook page, the, um, which page is it? The one with the uh, the Facebook page with the, Paranormal Radio uh, not the Paranormal the United Public Radio logo on it that's the one he um, posts it regularly you go check it he posts a lot of the stuff you know just recently we did some posting on on uh, different you know on Proxima B on the AM Drive uh, things along those lines stuff people are definitely uh, um, nerdy geeky sciencey kind of people who love uh, all of this stuff is a lot of fun to talk about and I will be doing a show on it uh, probably in about three weeks four weeks I'll be doing a show on technologies know where we are right now, and what can we expect in the near future. So that's upcoming. Uh, i still got a couple of more uh, things for the abduction stuff to get out of the way, and once that's done, we can move on to that. And then later in the year, closer to November December, we'll be bringing on some contactees and, and some friends. Anyway, getting down to tonight's topic about reptilians. You know, I like to talk about reptilians because as far as I'm concerned as a researcher, they really are the more misunderstood of the races that we talk about. If you judge them solely by their actions, especially if you go back in the past and judge them by those actions, they seem to be a friend of mankind, not an enemy. But who knows, there's a lot of rumors that they eat us and a lot of rumors that they breed with us and there's a lot of rumors that they rough us up and there's a lot of rumors that they do um, um, experiments on us and all kind of other wondering things. But let's, let's start out with what we know. Uh, it looks like at one time the reptilians were native to this planet, or if they weren't native to this planet, they lived here much earlier than we did, when the dinosaurs were still here. So here's an advanced race, and they were advanced at the time, much more so than we are today, uh, way back then. You know, it's hard for humans to understand this, but here you have a reptilian race that was living on this planet 70 million years ago, that were a a spacefaring race, so that means technologically wise there's 70 million more years advanced than we are today. That's not taking into consideration how old the race may be or how long they've been around in the universe. We're just talking about, from what we know, from point A to point B, which is from the Great Extinction forward, which is about 65 million years. So we know they're at least that much more advanced than we are. So when you're trying to communicate, with, I mean, it, it would be like, it'd be like someone with an IQ of 200 Trying to talk to someone with an i q of five, it just the, the the orbits are just not they might hit a similarity every once in a while or they might identify with something every once, but for the most part, not so much uh, for the most part, you're going to get what you're going to get, uh, which is no communication and no understanding at least by the lower form, which is us by the way when I say that. <laughs> I know it's a rough thing to say, but humans are the lower form here. so basically, a, a reptilian abduction is not much different than a gray or human abduction. They come, they take you. They do perform experiments on you, and some of them are sexually rated, some of them are not. But they're also in the gray and the humans in the fact that most of what I would call the trying stuff ends uh, before 30, or right around 30, somewhere between 27 and 30. That stuff tends to end, and a a new set of abductions happens. So you basically got the same thing with the grays and the humans, that from about age minus birth, because they actually abduct you before you're, you're born. They abduct your mom and examine you before you're born, so technically they abduct you before you're born. All the way up until puberty, most people, I should say most children, are not scared of the ETs. For the most part they call them their friends, and endearing terms like bug-eyed children, bug-eyed friends, or little soft friends, or, or weird-looking friends, or lizard friends, whatever the friend word is there, suggesting that these aliens take great care not to scare our children. That says something about it. It says that there's love and compassion in the race that abducts us and does horrific stuff to us. There still is love and compassion in there, or they wouldn't be, or they would harm the children. Because if they were just here for sheer experimenting, they wouldn't care what the impact on the children were. But they do. And they do seem to take great strides and not to mess these children up. Now, by saying that, starting at puberty forward, that all changes. Uh, They perform horrific experiments, regardless what race it is from the, from cutting you open and removing parts and putting parts back in to different stressful situations that they put you in because they want to see how humans react to stress, how their mind works, how do we perceive things, how do we understand things, what our thresholds are for love, for peace, for pain, and every other damn thing in between. They're curious about that, but, but not for the reasons most people think. Um, they're just curious in how we work, and, and, they, and they wish to understand us as a species because... Even we have a hard time understanding ourselves, and we are the species. So, um, I think sometimes those things are kind of frustrating. Well, I got these damn humans figured out, and they go do something stupid or something compassionate or something, but you know, something just off the cusp and out, and out of sorts. So, I think in that aspect too. And then, once you get past thirty, the contact changes yet again. It seems to first off re- revert to a softer contact. It's not that things don't go on. And it's not that you're not involved in, in other things, but most of those things are, are you're a willing participant of, uh, whether it's some type of training on board of ships, physical training, military training, brain training, uh, understanding how to craft work, understanding other races, being aboard your crest, whatever it may be, whatever you may be on there, uh, that's how it works. And I really think, and we can't prove this yet, but we think as an organization, That abductees that do not convert, meaning that do not come, contact these are keepers. Once they get past the the usefulness of the breeding age, they drop them. They they don't abduct them anymore. Uh, They will abduct their children and their grandchildren and great grandchildren for whatever same reasons they were abducted in the parents. But they drop the parents if if they if they can't accept what's happening to them because. The stuff that happens after 30 or 30, between 30 and 35, the stuff that happens after that is, is much different. There is a lot of training in there. They want you to understand stuff. But the reptilians, they give you access to the databases, their libraries, even their religion. They have great libraries. Uh, here on Earth, there's supposed to be two or three of these underwater domes that are the size of basically New York that when you put your hand on a ball, anything you think appears. Any, any knowledge that you're looking for, that you're allowed to access, because there are levels of access, uh, appears. And you can see it in a, in a four-dimensional view, but you can also experience it inside your head, uh, just the way, whichever is easiest for you to take in. Uh, they do have the ability to download information straight into your head. All three races do this on a regular basis. Uh, the reptilians are no different when it comes to that. Uh, they do allow you to upload some knowledge and even retain some of this into everyday life, but some of it they don't. And as far as I can tell, the reptilians and the greys are are more apt to let you keep memories. For some reason, the humans, unless you're one of the keepers, don't tend to want to leave you um, too much information in your head. Too much information can be a dangerous thing. But for the reptilians and the greys, it doesn't seem to be that way. It seems like they want you to simulate as much as you can handle. They don't want you to go beyond what you can handle, but, but but what you can handle. And a lot of these downloads are packets anyway. And what I mean by that, okay, Jane Doe over there, she gets a download. Let's say it's a terabyte download, but she's only going to access 50 megabytes or 500 megabytes or even two or three gigs. But that's all she gets to access immediately. The rest will open up in like five gig blocks or two gig blocks. Enough that the brain can absorb it, but not not too much that it overwhelms the contactee. And we don't even know what all this stuff is. Some of this stuff is for our benefit. Some of this stuff is for their benefit. Some of this stuff we have no idea what it's for. Why they're doing this and, and, and where is it going? We we know some of the, the downloads are for, for future. What I mean by that is they may download Jane Doe today at 19, but part of that download may not be used until she's 30, 40, 50 years old. Don't ask, I don't know. Uh, it's just part of the packet that they download, and they do this quite often and quite regularly. So your head gets jumbled, but it also gets information. And one of the ways we know this is almost all contactees I meet, uh, all contactees, all, I've never met a keeper that this wasn't true for, and most contactees this is true for. They have more knowledge than their educational background or their career background, meaning that, let's say Jane Doe went to college for six years, okay? Maybe she was pre-med or maybe she was something else, but she went to college for six years, and she's got all this knowledge from her life before her six years, and then let's say say 10 years working wherever she's working. So now she's got roughly 46 years of experience um, in her head. Well, for them... This would be like if they spent another 10 years in college and got a master's plus or maybe two or three masters. This is information far beyond where they've been working and what their educational background is. Uh abductees and contactees, this is a well, contactees this is a common thing in keepers. This is abductees not so much unless they think it will bring the abductee over the threshold, meaning that the information will help them to cross over and understand E.T. is not necessarily here to wipe them out. And to answer Ms. Jessica's question, that's why I brought this up just now, As best we can tell they're not here to wipe us out. It doesn't seem like they're here to enlighten us, and we're talking about all the races visiting, but it doesn't seem like they're here to wipe us out either. And and you can do this because even pre-Grey, when it was just the reptilians and humans messing around 50, 60, 100,000 years ago, whenever it was, um, they could have easily wiped out our species. I mean, easily. Uh, there would have been nothing to stop them. You know, there were a few million people on the planet. It would have been nothing. They could. Have, the humans could have done it, the reptilians could have done. Even when the greys came in much later, in, in, you know, 3, 4, 5, 10,000, 25,000, 35,000 years ago, whatever they showed up on the scene, they could have easily wiped out the reptilians and the humans and us. But they didn't. They had been studying this and, and crisscrossing you know, gray contactees sleeping with reptilian contactees and them having children, that child gets married to a human contactee and they have a baby and it marries back to someone with a gray contact. We don't even know what the dilution of our population is at this point. We don't even know what the real amount of this blood circulated through our society really is. If you do the Rh negative thing, it's 15%, but see, we know better than that. We know that some Rh positive people get picked up, so maybe it's more like 25 or 30%. Regardless. A big chunk of the population alive today carries this alien DNA. Hell, as far as I know, we might all do. But it, they only seem to be inter- interested in specific family lines. And it's not because I think the family itself is special. I think it's, it's special in the fact that it contains a more concentrated part of the alien, whether it's the greys, or reptilians, or the human. I think it's more concentrated in them. And I think that's uh, the reason they pick the people they pick. And they just follow those family lines forward. Because, you know, it's not that we're at... You know, they always talk about hybrids. Um, The hybrids are us. That's that's something that abduction and contactee researchers have blown from day one. It was not about making copies or replicas or, or hybrids of the aliens. They don't need that. There's no reason for that. If the greys want to visit this planet, they can beam their asses down here and make everyone for 100 square miles see them just as a human. Nobody's going to even notice anything different. Uh, They don't physically transform. It's just a way they can do it with their mind. It allows them to send it out there. There's no need for it. The humans are close enough to us that they don't have to. And the reptilians, uh, well, they do something a little different, but still... They don't have to be hybrids to mingle with our society or belong to our society. If I had a dollar for every man and woman who told me they had an affair with an overly flowing, beautiful
3: uh, alien
1: uh, that turned out to be a reptilian, I, I could retire. Uh, it's, it's insane. So they can easily make you think whatever it is. There's no need for them to do anything else. From what I understand, if they really wanted to, they could just put a wave over an entire city and whoever they beamed down, you, you would just think they were humans. Uh, it's, I think it's almost.
3: Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide, Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert, Dr. Heath Havey. Season one relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com.
1: I can't prove this, but I think especially with the greys and maybe with the reptilians and humans, it's almost like our DNA and our genes see them in a certain light. its They've been screwing around with us for a long time, but it's not beyond belief that they might have made something that makes us feel calmer, safer, or even look a specific way. I mean... There's just no way of really knowing until we get them to answer some questions. And they're really not keen about doing it so much. They they will answer some stuff and you can get contactees to get them to to tell you certain things or get involved, but the real agenda, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of agendas these, these aliens are working on, but the main agenda, the reason they're all here, that eludes everyone. Don't ever believe a researcher when they tell you they know that. They don't. If anybody knew it, it would be the U.S. government and the U.S. government don't know it because they're steadily steadily re-abducting people on a daily basis. If they had that information, they would not need to re-abduct people. Uh, They don't. No one really knows, and they've been here a long time, what exactly it is that they're after. For the most part, if we go by ancient history, it looks like, for some reason, the reptilians left probably when the great asteroid hit. The humans found the planet with an ape-like species running around it, which they converted through the seven creations of man according to the Sumerians uh, to be what... uh, almost to what we are today. Uh, not quite. They were more of a slave race, and they weren't quite sentient the way we are. They were sentient in the fact that they could name the animals, they could procreate, they could even make beer, but they, they didn't ask any of the questions of life, how, why, what are we doing, uh, why do we have to do this. A, all of that was beyond them. It doesn't seem until later on when the reptilian introduced their DNA into when they were taking the women and the children were being born were different. That's when it really seems to have changed that's when it seems like man probably overthrew whatever yoke they had and moved on to the species they are today. And it's a fact that we all have a reptilian section in our brain. Trying to deny that is useless. That's, a, that's just a fact. And if you go by the stories of the Sumerians and even the Egyptians and some of the Mesoamericans, it was given to us by the reptilians through breeding. Uh, they bred with us. You know, whether it was to save our species from slavery or just to piss the human aliens off. They did get involved. Without the reptilian intervention, we would still be just Joe, Smo, um, like the Bible described as race. We would be working for these beings and wouldn't really ever be questioning why. And we would just be, you know, kind of half-witted humans. Not not physically or mentally deformed or anything like that, or or retardism or anything like that. Just slow. You know, instead of having an IQ of one. 100 to 140 an IQ of maybe 40 maybe 50 if that but nothing nothing that would be a threat to the aliens nothing that would allow us to advance and advanced technologies none of that uh, seemed to be so these races are here for something we just don't understand whether they started out accidentally like I said with the humans and the reptilians got involved later on and then the greys regardless what it is they're not leaving they're staying here uh, they, it's basically they have, have a base, I should say have a base, have had a base here for a very long time at least 100,000 years or more. Some people want to say 2 million, you know it's hard to say, and it's hard to say how many incarnations of man there's been I mean now that we know that they, we found those sunken cities off the coast of India that predate any prior civilization by 6,000 years uh, we don't really know what was here prior And thanks to the Ice ages, any advanced civilization, uh, I don't mean advanced like this, but more advanced civilization could have been wiped out, or moved, or whatever, or even relocated to another world via the the aliens. Regardless, uh, there is an intervention, they are here, they are screwing with us on a daily basis, and they keep repeating a lot of the same old, same old, same old experiments you got to be like, come on, how many humans does it take to screw in a light bulb? One. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just using it as an example for anybody that writes to me. Some of this stuff they should have already figured out. Now, and I'm going to say this again, humans are the hybrid. We are probably the culmination of whatever we were originally started out of, whether you want to call it an ape or some other subspecies mixed and blended with human extraterrestrials and the reptilian, and now they're grazed. So we're a unique species in the fact that we probably have four different types of DNA that's combined to make the species here today, which means at some point in the future, half billion, a billion years, we will succeed or we will become the masters, basically. Uh, and maybe that's why the reptilian humans are grazed here. Maybe they know this. Maybe they want to make sure that we don't become the overlords of the galaxy. I mean, they could wipe us out right now if they wanted to. It wouldn't even be effortless. I mean, from what they just say about some of their motherships, I mean, they're bigger than the moon. I imagine they could split our planet like it was a freaking green pea or something. Um, so I'm not just feeling that that's not what they're here for. I mean, just, there's no evidence to suggest they're here to wipe us out. But by saying that, there's no evidence to suggest they're here to help us. And, and what I mean by that is they've been here a long time. Let's, let's just say, even if they would have started 3,000 years ago, or 6,000 years ago when the Sumerians were here and started to enlighten our species. Did you know where we would be today? We'd be colonizing the galaxy. We'd be so much further beyond. Our lifespans would probably be 10,000 years or more. Uh, but they didn't choose to do that, did they? That's why everybody says, oh, they're, they're here to save and enlighten the species. Well, what the hell are they waiting on? Have they looked around lately? Yeah, we need some enlightenment. And I don't see anybody doing it. I just see things getting worse, not better. So obviously they're not here to enlighten us. Oh, well, only a few. No, that's bullshit. If a race came here to enlighten us, they wouldn't come here to enlighten a few that that don't affect any change. If you're going to enlighten people that don't affect change, you're going to have to enlighten Putin and Obama and Merkel and people like that. Then you can affect some change. But the everyday person, no, not so much. They can affect a little change, but it would take a much longer, much grander thing, and it doesn't seem to work. So I don't think that's what they're here for. I mean, they're doing a lot of experiments. And they do create human-alien hybrids. And what I mean by that, they're not alien-human hybrids, they're human-alien hybrids. It's mostly human with some alien DNA then that allows them to have uh, more brain facility um, uh, e- easier, easier to develop their telepathic, empathic, and telekinesis abilities, things along those lines. Uh, stronger, more solid bodies, Um, less frail, longer lifespans, and quite a bit of telepathic and telekinesis abilities, uh, along with some other abilities that I'm not even sure what they're talking about. These are humans being created either for an off-world colony, an off-world planet, or something they expect a catastrophe if it hit our planet. Regardless, though, these are not alien hybrids. These are human hybrids. Like I said before, there's no real need to create an alien hybrid. And on top of that, and, and this is what always hacks me off about these wannabe researchers, oh, yeah, they're hybrids, they're hybrids, really? Why do they need a hybrid? Just abduct Obama, like the Greys do, put their little self in the head like they always do, and they can see, and do, see him and, and listen to him, and everywhere he goes, they go and they could just whisper in his ear to make him do stuff. So why would they, again, need to be a hybrid? You've got to remember, these are advanced races that think of us as, as well, trash, basically. Like, you really got to look at it the, the, the way they do. The humans just basically consider us to be trash cousins. The greys kind of have a little respect for humanity and and, but other than that no, we're just a bunch of dumbasses and the reptilians like us and, and even share it looks like some common ancestry online but still even they think of us as just morons so when it comes down to all this you just got to kind of wonder uh, what it is what, what, what is the benefit for them to be here what does their races want with us or even is it even us that they're looking at? Maybe they're just experimenting on us because we're a side effect of the planet. Maybe they're more interested in a planet. Maybe they're more interested in other life forms on this planet. It may not necessarily be about us. We humans make everything about us, but it might not even be that. We just might be part of whatever's going on, a useful tool uh, for the things that are happening. So you just got to think of it, what the hell's going to happen next? The reptilians seem to be a very steadfast, dogmatic, but unexpected at the same time. what I mean by that is they're very methodical in the way they do things. But then they can show compassion at a drop of a hat and for no reason. They can also be violent for no reason. Well, for them, I'm sure there's a reason, but um, for us humans, not so much. It doesn't seem to be like that. Um, for as far as the reptilians go there we are a lot like them I was going to say they're a lot like us but we're a lot like them they're passionate, they're egotistical they have a singular religion uh, they really think that their purpose in the universe is the only purpose in the universe which of course is a human failing which it's nice to know other races have the same failing i got to say uh, this is a very advanced, very old race and doesn't seem to have gotten completely past its ego yet. For that matter, the humans don't seem to have gotten completely past their egos yet. So, uh, And the races do seem to get offended from time to time. When we say things or do particular things, uh, they can get offended. They do seem to have a sense of humor. All three of the races do. The grays don't seem to... <sighs> I don't know if laugh would be the right word, but maybe smile. They, they don't seem to have the, as intense emotion as the other two races do, or even us for that matter, but they do seem to have emotions. They will crack a smile. Uh, they will even make some cra- cracky back-ass words, comments and stuff in your head, not, not speaking it. Um, so they And they do interact with the keepers. And, and I say that because the average contactee is not going to get much interaction. He's going to be to being told or she's going to be being told what to do, what kind of training is going on, and they will be interactions for them with lesser aliens or other humans on board the crash. But dealing with the other ones directly is, is, is just not usually how it works other than when they pick them up to do some more specific training. Uh, that seems to be where it is for the most part. I'm not sure why it works that way, but it is the way it works. The reptilians are very advanced. They, they usually fly what we like to call elongated saucers. That's what the overall majority of contactees have reported seeing. And what it basically looks like is a flying saucer that's been grabbed on each end and just stretched. You know, pulled so it's a little thinner in the middle. It's still got the oval shape. Well, not exactly, but it's, it's still round. It's just stretched out. Instead of being a perfect circle, it's more like a, a elliptical, a, a more narrow elliptical circle. But it's still the basic same design as the saucer. It's just slightly different. Uh, in in the overall roundness. It's it's a very cool-looking craft. I'm going to say it's a very advanced craft, but it's still a physical technology, meaning that it's very intuitive. A lot of what they do is is telepathic-based, but there still are what I like to call bells and whistles, buttons and screens and physical technologies. The grays do not have physical technology. None of their technology seems to be physical. If you walk into a gray ship, a gray saucer on the ground, when you walked into it, all you would see is hallways. You wouldn't see doors. You wouldn't see lights. You wouldn't probably even... Everything would be smooth and rounded. You just wouldn't see anything. Nothing appears in a gray craft until it's needed. It's like the craft itself has can make whatever the grays need. When you walk into what they call a control room, these this little tri seat thing pops up, and it's got three three inserts in it, two face in one way, one face in another way, that's where the grays actually plug themselves in the craft. Uh, they can put image screens and stuff like that in the craft. They will open it where you can see, but the grays don't need it because once they become part of the craft, they see it in their head. Uh, all the sensors and data and everything goes straight to their head. There's big advantages to this, especially in combat or even any, if, if you have to respond to anything fast. I mean, this is, There's no la- latency between the thought and the button. This is just instantaneous, you know, so there's big advantages to it. It also means that ships don't have to carry a lot of excess bullshit uh, because it can be produced. And when it's done, the ship absorbs it back into itself. Uh, So one of the things you see um, in a gray craft when you go in... If you're in one of the examiner rooms, when you first walk into it, it's rounded. The floors are smooth. There's a light source, but you can't see. There's no actual light fixtures. It's like the floor and the walls glowing. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes the, the the floor is like a darker white and the ceiling's like a lighter white, and, but they're both glowing and creating light, which I find odd. Um, then all of a sudden, you'll see like a bubble, like water bubbling up from the floor. It rises up and forms a pedestal and then it branches out and forms a table. When the human is put on the table, it conforms to the human's body. It it swells around them. It melts around them and becomes part of the body. It rolls over them. Uh, I don't know how people believe, breathe because, you know, everybody just says the thing goes right over their face. But obviously they can because they're being put back alive. But that's the the graze, So And when they're done, Know, and whatever equipment they're going to use comes out of the wall and, and you see all these instruments and when they're done it goes back in and disappears and then the table melts away and, and then it's just an empty room again it's a very fascinating type of technology but the reptilians they're still using I mean there'll be physical tables there not tables like we would consider them but tables uh, with um, usually energy restraining devices sometimes like a, it feels kind of like a plasma field um, like it's it's Liquid energy. uh, It's really hard to explain, but uh, it seems to just pour over you. Both the reptilians and the humans use this. It's a very advanced form of technology, but that's what it is. But they uh, they have archways and doorways. They don't like swinging doors or anything like that. But uh, a lot of times, a lot of the doors seem to go up and down, um, and not side to side. Which I don't know what the difference for is or or why. Um, But obviously, they they have some reason why they do it. But you'll see a door slide down and it's funny when you see a door come down because when it comes down it like pushes out and, and almost melds with the, the, the doorway uh... it doesn't completely seal but it's like partially sealed all the way around it's very interesting to watch uh... you know from what everybody's told me this is just a fabulous technology not as advanced as the graze you but still a very interesting technology but the reptilians like i said we're a lot like them um, they believe in strong family ties, and one of the things that's interesting about them versus the other two races is they abduct in family lines, but they stick to the family lines that they're related to. Um, and what I mean by that is, let's say Mike the Reptilian, he's, he's an alpha, uh, he, when he abducts Jane Doe, somewhere in the past, either he or one of his ancestors mated with that family. Uh, and the reason why they do that is they say they have genetic memory and part of that memory can be passed on to the inductee and the contactee. And so they like to keep it inside the family line that way uh, it's easier for them to explain to the contactee what they're seeing, and what's going on, you know, why they see these vast battles or these vast cities or these vast libraries, which of course don't exist here, but they're seeing them. It's, it's because it's some, they're seeing it through someone else's eyes, but someone else's eyes from the past. It was, it's something that's a memory. It's not an actual event, and when it was an actual event, but now it's just a memory. Uh, so it's, it's interesting in itself to even just to listen to these people talk about this stuff. You know, when they talk about these underwater libraries here on Earth, which are attached to these big cities, I mean, these things are huge. And, you know, they they, they got central, uh, center pedestal orbs, but then they've got orbs all around. And you just place your hand on the orb, and then once it activates, you remove your hand. And basically, whatever you think from that point manifests itself. Uh, as long as it's within your techno I mean, as long as it's within your your level, it manifests itself. Um, almost, and all, some of the stuff even kind of reminds me of holograms, and or very more advanced holograms, maybe something like Star Trek. But it's very interactive. Uh, you can really get a good feel of who and what the reptilian species is by attending these libraries. And when you listen to, to, to people talk about these libraries, I mean, a lot of ways we were like them. They were a, a warring species. Uh, that when they broke up from Earth, went to a bunch of different solar systems and foreign colonies and the Draco system and a bunch of other systems. But people get confused and think they broke up. They're not. They're one species, one race. They're a united race. There's several different versions of reptilians, by the way. Um, But they're a united race. They're amphibian reptilians. They're regular reptilians. They're all related. They all share common ancestry. It's just there's been some enhancements over the years I guess we'll say Um, but they're very advanced Um, like I said they have strong family ties Uh, there is a serious hierarchy there's always an alpha male and an alpha female and then of course levels going down from that point forward Uh, the children are are, I hate to say it this way but spoiled like human children they're encouraged to get involved in stuff and, and mess with stuff they can be very rambunctious matter of fact a lot of times, uh, females, human females, will be put in the room with seven or eight male reptilians, and what they expect is female to do is bring them under control. Well, you know, come on, seven or eight rambunctious boys would be hard enough to control, much less seven or eight <laughs> reptilian boys. But if you're forceful, and, and they're talking about mentally, if you if you're projecting this forcefully, they say they call them right down. They respond to this and they, and they calm right down to it uh, and that's what they expect but a lot of women can't do it and they seem to get scratched up and beat up I mean as far as I know no one's been killed or anything like that but um, it's it's like they're training these females with how to deal with their males later for later in life I'm not sure why um, you know over the years I've had a lot of cases where people have written in to me about what we would consider reptilian rape um, and a lot of people have written to me what we consider about reptilian love. Uh, it's, it, and just to hear the word reptilian love in the same sentence is like, wow, uh, really? The human aliens, which we're going to talk about next week, they, they've they got a lot going for them too. They're, they're a little bit more standoffish towards us than the reptilians are, but they all do think one day we will probably be a great race. But until such a time, we're just Nothing compared to them, <laughs> you know this is what like kills me about humans people tell me oh I, I tell them this and I tell them that really there is not a human alive today that has anything in common with a gray except for being an abductee there's no way you can understand that gray's life that gray's technology where it's from how it got to be and you can't even understand something that can live to be a million plus years there's just, just no comparisons to us and them all the races live very long much much longer lives than ours we got 80 to 120 year lifespan they got 800,000 plus year lifespan um, depending on who you're talking about so and some of them from when I understand, with the greys, the greys have unlimited lifespans they have the ability to uh, I'm not sure if the other two races don't either have the ability to upload their consciousness into a new body not a clone body not a replica into a new body so there's no cloning problems or any of that uh, it's just simply a new grown body and they upload their consciousness and, and they are still having children all three species are still raising uh, young I guess you could say not exactly sure exactly what the grades consider young it's more like you know, it's hard to explain it's kind of like a cross between a test tube baby and it, it, it's like they put them in a maturation chamber until they're I guess for a human child, 10, 12, 15 years old. Then they bring them in and make them part of the society. Uh, meanwhile, while they're in there, they're being educated. The information's being downloaded, regular stuff's being... It's like, it's like if, if something being in the womb and a bunch of data's being uploaded to its head when it was born, it'd be quite a bit more intelligent. Well, it seems like that's what they do there. The reptilians and humans seem like they still procreate whatever's the normal way for their species to procreate. Somebody wrote to me the other day and said, Do the reptilian lay eggs? If they're true reptilians, they probably do, in some shape, form, or fashion. Can we prove that? No. As far as I know, no one's ever been in a reptilian hatchery that had any credibility. So I can't I can't, you know, tell you for sure uh that they do. And they might not. I mean, they're a sentient species, maybe they figured out some other way to procreate. They are warm blooded, not cold blooded. That's why I hate when we call them reptilians. They look like a reptile when you look at their skin and their features, but they are warm blooded. Uh, they're not cold blooded. Um, there's at least what we can tell they're warm blooded. So, and we know a lot of the dinosaurs are warm blooded anyway. So, reptilian, it might not be quite the right word. We know some of them are amphibians anyway. So, you know, they have gills and, and, and lungs. So, all of this stuff is very fascinating. What does it mean? and do humans taste good? Well, as far as I know, the reptilians do not eat humans, as far as I know. Uh, I I have not run across any cases of any kind where reptilians were eating humans. Now, the little brown guys, that's different. Uh, From what I understand, they only eat dead humans, but I have heard that they eat humans. Um, But the reptilians, not so much. Reptilians seem to look at it differently. And they are protective of the young. They're protective of their families. They're protected, protective of their society. In a lot of ways, when you identify with these races, the humans, at least in action, are more like the reptilians than the other two. Maybe that's why they get such a bad rap. And what everybody forgets, in pre-Christ, whether, wherever you were on the planet, you believed that the reptilians were the bear of life, the bearers of knowledge, they were the good guys. The human deities the, were the bad guys. It didn't change until Christ came, um, and, that's, I, and when I say that, I, I have no idea if it had anything to do with the actual coming of Christ or not. It just seems to be around the same time frame, uh, that there was a switch, and the reptilians became evil, and the humans became good, you know. I don't know why I wasn't there. <laughs> I'm sure there's an answer for it, and one day we might find out. But until then, um, you just got to wonder. You know, and it's interesting, because we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Here you have a reptilian race that spans, we don't know how many planets. Five planets, 50 planets, 100 planets. How many of them are there? Same thing with the humans and the grays. These are old races that have been in the galaxy for a really long time. How many worlds do they inhabit? How many colonies do they have? Are we talking billions or trillions? i'm just curious because i mean we bitch about seven billion people all the time and we're going to be nine billion people in less than 40 years uh actually probably less than that but really is that anything i mean they may have cities with nine billion people they may have worlds with 500 billion or a trillion especially if you don't have to get your food from growing it or and if your fuel doesn't pollute you can have much larger populations Earth could sustain a huge population if we had things like replicators and uh, fuels that doesn't pollute. You know, so we could sustain a population probably ten times the size of the one we have now. But still, somewhere along the line, a planet, it needs relief and relaxation. A guy is going to say, get the hell off, go live somewhere else. But an advanced race should be able to colonize Venus, Mars. Uh, they should be able to terraform them quite easily. Both those planets for any advanced race should be easily terraformed. terraform you know, and sometimes people say that the races come here because we all started here. At one time, the reptilians lived on Earth, the humans lived on Venus, and the greys lived on the planet that was destroyed, uh, that left the asteroid belt behind. Um, is that true? Is that wishful thinking? I have no idea. Um, it's interesting theory, um, but I would have thought... If the Greys came from anywhere, they would have came from Mars because of the way they're built. They look like a, a race because they, they don't seem to have bones. They seem to have cartilage. Uh, they're very strong for their size. Well, actually, they're super strong. Uh, they can jump quite high. They can move really fast. They seem to be able to defy gravity. It seems like... It, and But then their eyes don't seem to be suited for that. Their eyes seem to be suited more for a planet like Venus, closer to the sun the human aliens, since they seem to be thicker and bigger than us in the seven, eight-foot range and heavier, look like they might be a heavy heavy gravity world, which is what the one in the asteroid belt would have been. Five times the size of Earth, it would have had a 5G gravity, uh, which means they would be like supermen on this planet. They would be five times stronger than anybody here. Five times faster, five times everything. Um, so, you know, we don't really know for sure how this all worked out but it does seem to be that these three races uh, were here long, 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 long time ago and if it's true and the reptilians were here 70 million years ago then they know what happened to Mars don't they? Um, I'm just saying they know what happened to Mars I would really think it would have been reptilians on Earth greys on Mars and the human aliens on Venus and the other planet was just there, but uh maybe there was another race. And it was destroyed when the planet was destroyed. Don't really know, but I'm just you know, I wanted to clarify because the reptilians don't don't want to eat us uh and we do seem to be the most like them as far as personality and egos go. So I just wanted to clarify that because people get really confused and I really wanted to get into some more stuff, but I see we're just about out of time. Uh very fast uh show when we're talking about these kind of topics. Uh who is that? Marvel, like Marvel Comics. That's your name, Marvel. I, I mean, I'm not hating. I just it just caught me off guard. What's your Marvel? So, oh, it's no way, dude. I'm gonna butcher your your last
0: name.
1: <laughs> it looks like Sylvania. <laughs> Marvel Sylvania. That's an interesting name, I gotta say. Uh, anyway, you know, the reptilians. I think, given the chance, the reptilians would live with us. I think they would say, look, humans, we're going to take Australia and some of the, these other areas, uh, and then we'll just, you know, be happy people on the same planet together. But if you introduce human aliens and graves, I don't know if it's possible for everybody to live together. It's not that there wouldn't be some special hating and, and racism and stuff like, that. oh, well, they're reptilians, you know, they smell funny and they look funny and they, they taste funny, because we might eat reptilians. Uh, we do anyway. We eat alligator tail all the time down here in Louisiana. That's some good stuff. <laughs> so I'm just saying. Big alpha male better watch his tail around them coonasses. Uh it may become somebody's table scraps. But we do tend to be a lot like them. We we tend to be we're short more short tempered like they are. Uh we're faster to anger than the other ones are, which they are. Uh it's just they're way older than us, so Whereas we might just, <sighs> it might take them a little while to reach it, <sighs> but they will reach it. Um, and whether it's true or not about the old wars, where they said that the reptilian humans had basically set the galaxy ablaze until the light beings and the greys showed up. Is it true, is it not true? Well, I'll say this. I do believe there's some truth to it. Was it a galactic war? I don't know. We just don't have that information there. Was there a war? Probably so, because... We get it from great contactees, reptilian contactees, and human contactees. So at one time, and we're talking a long time ago, a million plus years, there was some type of war. Uh, maybe, maybe this war was. Maybe instead of the asteroid, maybe 65, 70 million years ago, there was a war right here in our solar system, and that's what happened because we do know that there was a planet that got destroyed. Some people swear it was, and some people swear it was. Regardless, we know there's an asteroid out there. We know Mars was a lot like Earth. But it's not anymore because it was hit by something. We know Venus more than likely was hit by something and sent into um, glo- uh, into a hothouse, basically global warming, whatever you want to call it, it's a little more global warming. Um, so it's quite possible that's what happened. And there's no there's no way you can find that on Venus because the geological record is wiped out because basically the planet averages 800 degrees Fahrenheit, which means the, most of it's just molten. Uh, it just kind of a molten core or a molten surface just moving around. Um, but it could be cool. And you know, it's always been funny to me because if you could siphon off the greenhouse gases from Venus to Mars, Venus would cool and become a good planet and the atmosphere would thick on Mars and you'd have two terraformed planets at one time. Of course, I, I mean, I, you know, what are we talking about? A uh, uh, hundred million mile long pipeline? <laughs> I'm just saying. It just seems like if there was a way to do it, if, if there was some way to to send it there whether you know jetting it through space or something it does seem you could actually physically terraform two planets at one time cool one and make it and terraform it and heat up the other one and terraform it Uh, and it just seems like a viable planet just not a new technology we have we're going to we're going to terraform Mars no matter what and we probably will terraform Venus as well someday Um, but Mars will be first and it will be terraformed it may take a thousand years it may take ten thousand but as long as this species is alive, we will terraform Mars. And Mars won't even be the only one. Eventually, we'll learn how to put force fields around planets like Pluto and uh, change the climate in them by heating them up from the force fields. So, I mean, it, it's just a matter of setting up weather modification things. Regardless, uh, this is all technology coming in the future, and this is all planets that will be habitable. Now, the question is, will the reptilians, the greys, and the humans actually let us do it? It does seem to be this, I will say this, when you look around since I've been alive for 50 years, there have been major advancements in a lot of things. But there's been a lot of disappointments, no real space travel, cancer's still not cured, a lot of things still aren't cured that should be cured. When you think about how much money's been dumped and how much research has been dumped, these things should already be cured. Whether to hide and to cure so that these pharmaceutical companies can make millions, I don't know. But it seems like in some areas we're behind and other areas we're way ahead. Come on, we're all walking around with our Captain Kirk tricorder now. We all used to have a flip phone communicator back, what, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Now we all basically got a handheld tricorder that can do everything but wipe your butt for you and give it time. Somebody's going to figure out an app for that. I'm just saying. These things are very advanced. We're walking around. I mean, the new phones are eight cores. Uh, I mean, shit. Your phone has more power than any space program ever invented, even the ones going on today an 8-core. I mean, there wasn't even a real core back in the day when they were building the the Apollo missions. I mean, they were punch-card computers the size of my house. Um, and the Columbia, um, well, I should say Space Shuttle, these were one hundred twenty five hundred megahertz processors running Bigfoot hard drives at less than a gig. Yeah, compared to today's 8-cores with terabytes. I know, I mean, it's just not the same thing. So your phone, your, your phone for the most part, is more advanced than any computer the IRS uses, or for that matter, a lot of the computers that it, all the government agencies use, because uh, government agencies are always behind technologically for their departments. Last I heard, the IRS was still using, uh, I think, 1.5 gigahertz single core uh, with 2 gigs of RAM. Wow, really? <laughs> I'm just saying, guys, it, it just seems to be ridiculous. But I guess, in all fairness, if it works, they need to keep it because computers are expensive. And when you think how many computers the United States government would use, I guess there is a need to keep some of the old stuff around and use it that way. But I know we we, we got to get out of here. Remember, check out the EM drive. It's interesting stuff. Check out some of the new information on Mars. a lot of good stuff coming out on Mars right now. Uh, read about the Sagittarius galaxy, some of the new stuff has been found recently. Uh, read it, read about climate change being connected to red dwarfs from Sagittarius. That's an interesting region itself. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there to read right now, a lot of interesting technologies on the development, and a very interesting world if we can keep it intact. Um, so everybody, you need to do your part. Push your governments. Get rid of some of the bullshit we got going on around the world right now. And you know I don't I don't like to push for a one world government because I'm not real trusting of governments uh, when it comes to doing the right thing, especially if they got complete control over everything. But I do think the planet needs to be much more united if we're going to ever really seriously colonize space. It's going to take a much bigger effort than this. And on that note, while I'm leaving, don't forget duck the chinese uh space station which has only been in space for 5 years it couldn't even beat the the, the old mir or the skylab is falling out of sp- out of space they don't know where it's going and it doesn't look like the chinese have any control over it so uh keep looking up ladies and gentlemen because you might be having a space uh space station landing on your head um, but on that note, I'm going to get out of here again. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to UFO, UFO Undercover and talking Aliens Are Us, or I should say Reptilians Are Us with Joe Montalvo. Until next week, have some fun. Remember, I'll be doing a news tomorrow night on Thursday night's Flipside Edition. Uh, there's a lot to talk about there. And don't forget to get, and then follow me, of course, as Aliens, uh, aliens UFOs, and Beyond with Renee Chavez. And uh, what's her name again? Damn. What is that girl's name? Uh, no, I'm just teasing. Christina George. Uh, be sure to come out and check them out, following them after hours. And, of course, you get the whole Friday and Saturday lineups. On that note, I'm going to tell everyone good night, have some fun, and see you next week. Good night, everybody. Hi. Come check out Christina George's new show, Alien, GFOs, and Beyond, Thursday night, 8 p.m. See you Thursday, Jeff.
0: You're listening to UFO Undercover, with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here
2: on the Paranormal Radio Network.
1: Views and opinions of any of the...
2: Hi, I'm Stephanie Benetti, and you're listening to United Public Radio, UPRN 107.7 FM, in New Orleans.
1: Hi, come check out Christina George's new show, Alien GFOs, Thursday night, 8 p.m. See you Thursday,